Welcome to Fifth Wall's Fly on the Wall podcast, where we explore the shifts occurring in real estate, technology, and society that are driving our cities towards a more equitable, green, and tech-enabled future. I'm your host, Brendan Wallace. The COVID-19 crisis has underscored the importance of taking a forward-looking posture towards foreseeable crises, including pandemics and climate change. In today's episode of Fly on the Wall, I sit down with Fifth Wall partner, Tyson Wosta, to discuss the key factors which will separate landlords post social distancing and why a sustainability strategy should not be put on hold. Enjoy the discussion. Tyson, so um, obviously, you know, one of the things you and I have been talking a lot about is given the really unique circumstances of this public health crisis um, and the meaning and the consequences for real estate owners as a result of this. Do you think that there's any relationship between the COVID crisis and its public health implications and the lessons that can be drawn from that and what we've always been focused on, which is decarbonization? and sustainability for the real estate industry. It doesn't seem intuitive, but I think you had a really interesting take on this. Yeah, so I, I think the, the similar thing is that there's a certain type of problem or risk that's always been a bit of a thorn in the, CEO, in the side of our, our CEOs. Um, and I think the COVID crisis and actually the climate crisis share some sort of very high level, um, um, call it patterns. Um, there's a bunch of them, we'll go over them, but roughly they're collective action problems. Um, they're problems where being prepared is profoundly cheaper um, than reacting after the case. Um, and they're problems that seem far off in time and place. So, right, so if you think about like, just go back four months ago, uh, the climate crisis and a global pandemic were both things that people were talking about. Um, that were pretty well modeled um, and that we actually knew a lot about how we could prepare for. Um, but for roughly similar reasons, um, people weren't doing a lot about them, right? So I think that one of the things coming out of this crisis is that we're going to look around and we're going to ask, you know, what other totally avoidable catastrophes do we already know about that, are, that we're kind of ignoring? And what are the lessons we can take from COVID uh, about how to ch tackle these other challenges. And like the climate crisis is the 800 pound gorilla just sitting there that it's, it's, it's the same shape, if that makes yeah. sense. It, it's kind of like the, the dynamic of foreseeable problems, right? And preparedness. It, it was just put on fast forward that there is kind of a, a way in which it seems like this crisis is a, is a microcosm and the, the kind of up the, the failures in reactions to it, in some ways, very much reflect the failures in reacting to the climate crisis, where the duration is just much longer, but the inevitability is still there. Yeah, the other thing is, you know, it's a point that, that you've made before, which is the idea of a collective action problem, right? Like, what we've really seen with COVID is that there are these sorts of risks, these secular society-wide risks that it, you have this problem of getting everybody to act on it together in the same way at the same time. And if we could just figure out how to do that, we would come out better on the other side. Um, 
And that's one of the things that's always been a real sort of core part of why we decided to do the Carbon Impact Fund was that getting the real estate business together, get, getting sort of the most forward-thinking leaders in the business together to deploy capital, to find the new technologies, to support the new technologies, to bring those entrepreneurs in, um, that can only be done together as an industry. An individual asset or an individual um, asset owner operator even at scale can't do it. The industry has to do it together. Uh, and it's just, it's the same thing, sort of a similar risk uh, and a similar solution on both sides of it. It's, it's interesting. Like, I feel like there's so many ways in which this crisis underscores the interconnectedness of really all facets of the economy. And so, you know, for fifth wall, looking at the real estate industry in particular, it's exactly what you said. You know, any individual real estate owner adopting new sustainability standards or looking to decarbonize, it really doesn't matter unless the industry is acting together and making investments together and taking this forward posture together. And so there probably are some, some lessons to be gleaned from this for, for CEOs of real estate companies that want to take that forward posture. Um, you know, one, one of the questions I've been surprised by that, you know, ha has percolated up is, do you think anyone will care about the climate crisis and decarbonization on account of the COVID crisis? I, I know on the face of it, it seems kind of patently absurd, but ha have you heard that question just in dialogues you've had? Oh, yeah. And I mean, you know, I think as a firm at Fifth Wall, we, we, we talk to our partners all the time, right? We talk to our CEOs all the time. And this is not the number one. I mean, we have to, you know, we're talking about carbon impact, but clearly with our, with our CEO partners, this is not the number one thing on their mind right now. And it's not going to be in a month. And it's actually not going to be um, in a month after that. But I, I think it's, it's a completely valid thing to think longer than the next quarter um, and ask ourselves, what will matter, you know, two quarters from now or a quarter half from now, and will carbon, will the climate crisis be the number one priority again? Um, and I think the answer there is kind of, of course it will be. I mean, everything about the pre-COVID world, which made real estate as an industry, but just society broadly, uh, focus on carbon and the climate, those forces are still in place. There, there's still a generation of people of employees, of tenants, uh, of, uh, of investors, of regulators, um, for whom this isn't negotiable, right? Like, as soon as the economy comes back on, the carbon will continue to be pumped out in the atmosphere. So those macro forces haven't changed. They haven't gone away. Um, and so it will, you know, it will become, a, you know, I, I mean, I'll ask you the same question. I think you talk to a lot of CEOs uh, what would your advice to them be? Like, what, how, how would you, what would your advice be? How should I view, um, how should I view the climate crisis now, the COVID crisis? Where, how do I balance those things out? Where's my mind share? Yeah, I mean, I think any real estate CEO who draws the conclusion that this crisis and kind of the immediacy of, of a reaction now alleviates the long-term burden of, and, and alleviates their responsibility in decarbonizing, I, I don't think that's a long-term CEO, right? I think that's a very short-term minded CEO. Um, and I would say for the most part, you know, the, the organizations that we interact with have a very long-term mindset 
for their organizations. And I think what they're increasingly aware of is that we talk a lot about the, the kind of tailwinds behind decarbonization. Like what, who, are the, um, who are the agents and what are the inputs that actually drive change and why now? And two of the big constituents we've talked about, obviously, are capital markets. That capital markets are just preferentially rewarding low or no carbon impact real estate. They're saying, we'll deploy capital to you. We'll give you insurance at a cheaper rate um, because of this. I think absolutely capital markets are going to recognize a new kind of systemic risk, right? A new kind of systemic risk. And so real estate owners that build their assets for resiliency and build their assets with this responsibility in mind, I would be shocked if even more so than in December 2019, the capital markets don't favor sustainability forward real estate owners. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the interesting things that people have argued about in capital markets growing over the last 10 years and the last five and the last two is just the ESG premium, right? Like what is the ESG premium that capital markets are willing to pay? And what is it driven by? Is it driven by uh, just allocators who have a social or political mandate? Or is it driven by, is ESG actually a good proxy for risks, risks that are uh, hard to price and off in the future? And we just, we have this example in front of us right now where this is a risk premium. This isn't just, um, uh, you know, a social capital allocation preference. Like there are real risks that ESG factors help to understand and price in. And that has just made this so much more obvious. And, uh, and I think another element is, I think everyone has realized how dependent they are on local government, right? That local government actions have largely been deterministic in part because federal actions have really not prescribed much. So depending on what city or what state you're in, the, the outcomes of this crisis are largely dependent on the local officials. And so I think you'll see a, a massive shift towards empowerment of local officials, especially here in the United States. And as we know, you know, it is really those local officials that have the mandate and have the incentive to want to solve collective action problems. And for the real estate industry, that really means imposing the Paris climate standards and you know, forcing real estate owners to decarbonize or pay a corresponding tax or buy carbon credits. So in many ways, I think they'll come out of this crisis more empowered. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I think you've hit it right on. Just accelerating something that was happening before. You know, 20, 2019 was the year of local law 97 in New York, the Green New Deal in LA, DC's climate legend. Like it, 2019 anyways was the year that local politicians really started to flex their muscle. And I think you're absolutely right that, that everything that's happening around COVID will not only embolden local politicians, but it just kind of, you know, shows, uh, just it makes that case to constituents as well why local government is just better at solving some problems. So I think you're absolutely right on that. The, the other interesting thing is, you know, our carbon impact fund and kind of the, the, the this mission to decarbonize real estate is kind of one component of what's broadly defined as like an ESG mandate, right, for the real estate industry. And I would hope that this was happening well before, obviously, you know, we started our carbon impact fund or before this crisis. But in a lot of ways, this crisis in particular underscores that the role and the responsibility of real estate owners 
in all public health, the well-being of everyone interacting with their assets, working in their assets, and, and their public health and wellness responsibilities are much greater than I think they previously conceived of them. And you'd almost hope that this becomes almost like a double underscore of that point for them. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, imagine six months from now, a year from now, everybody heading back to work, heading back to hotels, heading back to vacation. I, I think it's going to hit owners and operators like a brick wall that the safety and the wellness of their environments that they've created, that's going to be on them and the public is going to demand. Uh, it's going it's to be on landlords. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I, I mean, it will just separate landlords, people, those whose properties make people feel comfortable uh, and want to be there and those who don't. And I, I, I just think that that extends from immediate health and wellness to energy efficiency, climate impact, and all sorts of those things that are just sitting there right adjacent. Absolutely. Well, Tyson, I think this was really interesting. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fly on the Wall. All of these episodes and more are available on our YouTube channel. To learn more about Fifth Wall, visit our website at www.fifthwall.com.